Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. Uh, my name is John Keeley, still joined on the Skype line by Sister Beatrice from St. Saviour's in Limerick and Shannon Rose. And uh, this morning we invited Sister Beatrice on maybe to share a few thoughts that she might have with us on Lent. Would you like to share those with us, please, Sister? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. I think as I was reflecting on what Lent uh, will be for me particularly this year, I find that in examining my own practices, uh, the traditional Lenten practices of prayer, penance, and almsgiving, as wonderful as those various practices are, and as different as my form of almsgiving <laughs> looks because I've made a vow of poverty and don't have the same kind of alms to give, mm-hmm. that the central message that we're returning to is really recalling in a way that is very rooted in the Old Testament revelation of God and continues in the fulfillment in Jesus Christ that God has desired to be with us and that in journeying towards his sacrifice on the cross and then looking in hope to his resurrection, we're supposed to recall the great desire that he had in his heart to be with us, even to the point of for God the Father sending his only son to die for us. So anything that I'm doing that rekindles my desire to be with God is a Lenten success. Lovely. And I think for I th- for me, St. Catherine of Siena being a Dominican woman is a great role model in this because she speaks a great deal of the desire with which Christ ran to the cross, that it wasn't a sense of failure that brought him there. It wasn't that he was backed into the corner by a society that didn't understand or by the religious leaders of the time, that those events were foreseen by him and that he desired to lay down his life for us. And so in accepting the penances that I have discerned for myself this Lent, I am I'm recalling, and hopefully I'm joining others in recalling, that he chose to suffer for me. And so any ways that I can um, experience sacrifice, if it reminds me of his sacrifice, that's successful. If it closes me in on myself, makes me harder to live with than I already am, mm-hmm. then that's not so successful. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the whole idea would be that, Sister... I, I think, if I read you right, is whatever you do to remind you of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think because in our, this is so frequently commented on that it almost goes without saying, we live in such a noisy world and such a fast-paced world, and there are so many commitments, especially for families, when you think of the number of places that you have to be between work, school, sport, <laughs> extracurricular activities by the mile, it's It's a great deal, but the more we can make Christ's presence among us memorable, whether that's by using sacramentals, by having a crucifix in a prominent place, by having an image that brings him to mind, Lent is a great time to renew those practices because we're trying to keep Jesus at the center in a world where things spin so fast that often we spin away. And as you just mentioned there, sister, you know, people living in the modern world might not necessarily be be practicing the same Lenten practices, for want of a better word, um, than maybe we did 30, 40 years ago. I mean, it's it's a new world now, as you say, and a different pace of life. 
But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean to say, but, but, the, but the focus, and I like what you said, but the focus should be, even in this modern world, in this fast world, to keep as much as we can the focus of, uh, of, of Jesus on our mind and what he's done for us, and he's trying to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's always an opportunity, too. Like it's very easy to, to feel overwhelmed by how, um, how little support <laughs> the outside world can seem to give mm. in helping us to remember Jesus Christ and who he, who he is for us, not just who he was, but who he is. But there's this extra urgency then for us where we can re- rediscover the the grace that God is giving because he knows. <laughs> he knows what it's like for us to live in this time period. It's not an accident that each one of us exists in this time period. He chose each of us to be, for this time, um, a witness for him. And so as intimidating as that can be to be a witness, sometimes we want to privatize Mm. <laughs> our mm. faith or mm. privatize our Lent even in this time period you know it can't just be Ash Wednesday I'm visibly I'm visibly Christian and I, I bear the marks of repentance not to say that we have to march through the streets yelling repent <laughs> mm. but there's there's something where for each of us the, the radicality of what we're called to can come across so humbly and you know not eating meat on Fridays um, now that that is not demanded but it's a very simple way to to sacrifice and i think for starting for young people it's there's there's a great desire for sacrifice and i think as you mentioned there as you mentioned there young people sister um maybe some of us are who are a little bit older uh whether be parents or grandparents um have a duty to a certain extent well have a larger sense to try as best we can to pass on those values to the younger generation. I know that I myself am grateful for what my own parents were able to do for transmitting that to me. And I think looking back, I'm very grateful that often the way that they modeled those practices was precisely by doing them on the, for themselves. Mm. And by making sure that we understood why it was done, yeah, you know, like I think to propose who Jesus is and what He did for us and who He's calling us to be. Once, especially for teenagers, once that logic starts to play out, it's the grace of God working there for a response of, well, if that's what He's done, you know, I could, I could at least. You know, not have salt on my chips or something. Yeah, yeah. It's very mm, simple. Mm. But it's it's a response to someone who has loved us. And that's I think that's what parents and grandparents can so beautifully model is because their lifetime of fidelity really testifies to the fact that it's the love of Christ that carries us through through so much mm-hmm. and will be our rock. Okay. Shane, would you like to comment on, uh, on anything you've heard so far or add something? Um, I suppose just listening to to, to, to to Sister Beatrice, I suppose a um, couple of things that come to mind, of course, is that um, we have a challenge, I suppose, in terms of the practice of faith, kind of um, where we're moving from a culture which was more supportive to one which is more challenging. And that, that is the whole thing, I suppose, that's the whole chance we have with Lint just to reflect on mm-hmm. that, see 
where, where, how we fit into that changing time. And I suppose the challenge that's before us is we have we have the two options. I suppose we have what you call the Benedict option, the object, the, the idea of Saint Benedict, where we could retreat into small communities, um, remnants, if you like, uh, or perhaps we could look at more like the Saint Ignatius of Loyola, where you know we go out like the Jesuits and say out to the margins and dialogue a bit more forcibly with the culture. And it's it's finding a via media between the two of those. I think is the is the key. Um, and for us that are trying to keep our lint, I suppose, and trying to figure out, you know, it's it's a week four. I suppose the initial enthusiasm could kind of have gone at this stage. <laughs> you know? um, it's at this stage. I don't know about anybody else, but the sugar withdrawal symptoms are starting to kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's kind of you're kind of going, okay, how many weeks to Easter? How many weeks before I can open the jar of Nutella or have a bar of chocolate? Mm. Um, Because I can tell you, for some of us, giving up chocolate for Lent is quite a struggle. But anyway, (laughs) but you know, we're three, we're three, four weeks in, and and it was one thing I actually, what Sister said there, is kind of looking around again and seeing because the tradition of Lent is prayer, alms giving, and fasting, and the idea is it helps us with metanoia, that big call to repentance that we get at the start of Lent. Remember thou art dust, and unto dust you shall return. Turn away from sin and believe the good news. Um, you know, that, that's, that was the message of, during the imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday. And I suppose the challenge for us is to look at that in terms of, first of all, ourselves, and then our relationship with others, because we are in relationship with, with God, ourselves, and a wider community. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like, if you like, it's almost like the Blessed Trinity. It's a community of three. Um, we're going out and receiving back from others. We're going out to God and receiving back from God. And it's, it's, Lent gives us that opportunity to look at it again and see, well, where do I need to fix things? And as, you know, as Sister Beatrice said, one of them is prayer. And it's one of the ones, I suppose, that's the hardest to do is making time for prayer. And that's the one, I suppose, which most people have probably the best intentions when they start out at Lent and maybe don't quite manage to live up to it. Mm. And I suppose it's like a New Year's resolution, maybe we aim too high. And I suppose it's about paring back the realities of seeing, well, what could I actually do? What can I actually fit in to the gospel of the life, of life that I am living? Because, for example, you know, we might have started, I said, well, I'd say five decades of the rosary a day. And well, maybe you could only say one. You know, it started, mm. it's baby steps. It's like if you're starting on a diet, like, you know, operation transformation. They don't start you off doing a 5K straight away. They start you off bit by bit. And, you know, a 20-minute walk one day, a little, you know, a little less on the plate the next day. So it's step by step. And if you want to look at it that way, Lent is like an operation transformation for us as Christians in terms of getting ready to celebrate the joy that is Easter and looking forward to the Easter season. And there can be ups and there can be downs. But at the same time, if you look, the three keystones for Lent are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. In this case of what prayer in terms of supporting us, but also maybe in terms of supporting others. So the example we often give here in the program, of course, is Lexia Divina on Monday nights, quarter past eight in the Pastoral Centre in the Castle West. And, but it's a case of that is a form of prayer together as a community because it's, I, it's, sometimes it's hard to pray on your own. Sometimes it's best when it's like two or three are gathered in his name. Like we were discussing last week, John, with Noreen Lynch on the program about the idea of prayer, uh, the Ministry of Public Prayer. Hmm. Sometimes 
it's better if we come together. And that's why I, you know, that, that idea of during things, coming together to do the Stations of the Cross, coming together to do the, the, the Rosary, you don't have to reinvent the wheel in many respects as a community, as a Christian. We have a 2,000-year tradition to draw on. Sometimes it's kind of bringing out the family jewels from the attic. Then there's the whole thing, of course, of the fast. And we've, we've spoken about that, and most people, as we've said before, see it in sense of giving up something. Um, kind of a penance or a discipline. And sometimes it might be better to look at it from the point of view of a discipline more than a penance. Because it's the idea of, of us becoming, getting into training. One of the great, I suppose, um, ideas that, that uh, St. Paul uses in his letters is that are us as athletes for preparing for the kingdom of God. And that great uh, line, I think it's from t one of the letters to Timothy, where he says, you know, I have run the race, race I have fought the good fight. Mm. Now, granted, that's more traditionally associated in Ireland, particularly with funerals, but it's that whole idea of, you know, getting into, getting, getting into, getting into training uh, for being a Christian, as being for a while as a Christian. And, you know, linking back to that idea, again, as we said at the top of, you know, the operation transformation leading us towards um, Easter. So, and then, of course, the third, the third plank, of course, is the almsgiving. And the almsgiving, you know, in, while they keep telling us in Dublin that, you know, the economy is booming and things are getting better, maybe it's not quite as good as it seems in the hinterlands outside D4 land. So I suppose we'd have to say, well, almsgiving doesn't necessarily have to be in cash. Almsgiving is something giving of, giving that extra of something that we have. And while most people associate it with money, it could also be in terms of time, effort, and just reaching out to another person. Uh, Sister Beatrice, did you did you get any further ideas from what just Shane's just shared there? I well, I was when she mentioned the um, the Benedict option. It mm. did put me in mind of another Benedict, <laughs> yes. Benedict the Sixteenth. Spoke about how at one point he mentioned that when the church becomes smaller um, as it is in our time yeah. in some respects it be it will become more vigorous if yes. we yes. if we consider what's happening mm. and you might have spoken about this another time I don't know but he mentions how the as um, some of maybe the more prestigious edifices that we might have had or the institutions yeah. or the kind of the comfortable um, bulwarks we had mm. supporting our practice mm. when those are no longer there it does force us to make a, a voluntary commitment and I think that that is very much what we're facing in this time period is you know there there might have been a time where it would have really stood out if you didn't go to Stations of the Cross on Friday or um, people would notice if you weren't at Mass mm. and now that that expectation or that support is is perhaps not so yeah. much there. Yeah. And I think being able to see that not so much as a sign of of doom and gloom, but to really remember that, you know, Lent is not about the sad faces, which we were reminded yeah. of on Ash Wednesday. It's, um, it's really believing that Christ who calls us to renew during Lent through these practices did offer an efficacious sacrifice that does redeem the world and that is redeeming even these particular challenges of the historical situation, the cultural context, mm -hmm. um, and on the particular level, the individual sufferings that I experience, that my family experiences, that my friends experience, 
and that perhaps precisely because we don't have those supports, some of those sufferings become greater. You know, as as we lose the support of a faith community, um, that in the way that we might have experienced it before, not that we lost it, just that it looks different now. That there's there can be a feeling of abandonment, and I I think I've been seeing that, especially as I've lived religious life longer. I've served in more places. Um, coming into coming into Ireland, as you see the changes that societies go through, to see that it's it's not that the Lord has abandoned us, and it's not that the church has abandoned us. It's that there is a particular call for this time period, and that we we absolutely must trust that Christ is speaking to our hearts now, and that Lent is a great time to shake off the spiritual anesthesia and mm. and become more alert. That's what those the disciplines. I think it's a great point. The disciplines help us become alert again. And that's that's actually a very important point, for actually, particularly for the Sunday that's in it today, because, of course, today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, and it's otherwise known as Latare Sunday, mm. which is, um, it is it's the Sunday um, which it links with Gaudate Sunday during Advent, which is the third Sunday of Advent. And the idea of the two of them is it's um, a break, if you like, it's a reminder of that both of those are uh, both of those seasons while they're penitent they're seen as penitential seasons they're also seasons of hope which is linking into what sister was saying there in terms of we are people of hope and i always remember a couple of years ago we had on the program um father michael liston and father michael had a great expression it was that the joyful season of lent and i have to say even now <laughs> it still <laughs> jars me <laughs> exactly you know you don't think of lent as a joyful season but, you know, it's a season which calls us again to hope because we are heading towards Easter. And that is what Lent is about. It is a preparation for Easter. It is walking towards Calvary. But Calvary is not the end of the story. You know, one thing about Irish Catholicism is we sometimes get stuck on Good Friday. We forget about Easter Sunday. And that is the thing, I suppose, that we have to remind ourselves, that we are people of hope. We are people of the resurrection. And Lent is the discipline Lent is the period of time where we remind ourselves of that, we see what are the things that need to be maybe changed, that need to be renewed, mm. and we turn again kind of in, in, in happiness towards mm. it. Because, you know, for Christians around the world, in, not so much in Ireland, but it's, it's getting there, but particularly in the US and in the UK, this Sunday is also the second Sunday of what's called scrutinies. So what happens during the Lenten period is you have people who are going to be confirmed and received into the church at the Easter Vigil on uh, at Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday night. And they, there's different steps that they go through they go through in 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 um, during the Lenten season. And the idea of the scrutinies are that they are meant to uncover and then heal all that is weak or sinful in the hearts of those of the elect, those that are going to be confirmed or received to bring out and to strengthen all that is upright, strong, and good. And, you know, we could apply that very much as well to ourselves as we journey towards the Lenten season. But also a reminder, it is a season of a reminder to hope. And because that is what it is to be Christian. It is to be a people of hope, to be a people of faith, remembering the promises that have been made to us. Thanks, Shane. Uh, Sister, um, just before we go for our second bit of music there, um, I was just thinking... There might be some uh, some people out there listening to us uh, who who are struggling with maintaining what they started off with uh, all the good ideas and regard to to keeping Lent as best they can, and maybe there's some mm-hmm. people who haven't even started uh, who said, oh, you know, 
I just didn't get round to it. A little bit of encouragement from them? Could you offer them a few thoughts? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I'll be speaking to myself first, as always. <laughs> I think it's no matter whether we've slipped in the Lenten observance or whether we haven't started, it's it's going to come back to where where are my eyes fixed? Yeah. In the letter to the yeah. Hebrews, we're encouraged to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And so if we've slipped away, the temptation can be to look at ourselves and think, I'm too weak, I shouldn't have committed, to look around at other people and think, well, they're doing fine or they're mm. doing nothing, mm. at least I'm doing better than that. Yeah. Mm. But to look at Jesus and and to say, all right, you know, I, I slipped, Lord. <laughs> But you fell three times on the way of the cross, so help me on. And if if I need to discern about these penances or these disciplines, these these prayers that I'm saying, you know, send your Holy Spirit to enlighten me, and then and then make a decision. Don't stay in perpetual discernment. And for mm. those who who haven't started, I think it's the same thing to look at Jesus and to just be still with him for a moment and to try and meet his eyes, to, to visualize the face of Christ, whether that's by looking at an image or praying with scripture, and to just ask, you know, how, Lord, if I believe in your love, I want to respond to that. I don't want to leave that unanswered. Show me how. And if I'm not convicted of your love, convict me so that I will want to respond. And I think really probably that conversation of Lord convict me in your love mm. is one that we all have to return to. That's, a, that, that's an appropriate uh, place maybe to, to, to leave part two and, and go for a break. Um, sister, have you got a piece of music that you'd like us to go out yes. with at this particular time? Yes, if you um, if we have the O Sacred Head Surrounded, um, that one would be very beautiful. Okay, we'll go ahead and we'll play this one, then come back again in part two. Oh 
Sacred Space.